Hello, everyone. Welcome back to HR Works Podcast, 5-Minute Fridays. I'm your host, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. Next week is the HR Daily Advisor's HR Appreciation Leadership Week 2021, during which there will be daily events and daily offerings of unique and relevant content. Today, we're going to set the stage for that event with our guest, Danny Nelms. He's the president of Work Institute. You can find a link to the HR Appreciation Leadership Week in the description. Danny is here today to talk about what HR should be doing right now amid a hiring crisis and mass worker resignations. We'll also discuss how to rethink our leadership development. Finally, Danny and our team are working on a video series called The Retention Roundup, where we will explore cutting-edge research conducted by Work Institute that explores everything from the reasons that employees leave their jobs to how you can tackle employee engagement. Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jim. Really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. It's great to talk with you. Um, just to get started, how would you characterize the work landscape today? And what are the main, uh, I guess, HR-related challenges? Well, I think chaotic might be a good word uh, to <laughs> use right now. Um, we're seeing you know, massive resignations. You see all the headlines about a turnover tsunami. You see headlines around the great resignation. And the statistics are bearing that out. For example, in April... Uh, The Bureau of Labor Statistics, who reports on quits, um, actually uh, had about 4 million people who quit their job voluntarily. And that was the largest April uh, that they've been recording. Uh, They've been doing this for 20 years. So that was a massive number for the month of April because there is a little bit of seasonality around turnover. Um, So for April, that was a huge number. So, you know, and then the other aspect of it is just getting people back off unemployment into the workforce. So, you know, we hear a lot of talk around that. Um, There's some talk around unemployment benefits and when are they going to expire because you had the additional surplus due to the pandemic. And so there's there's a little bit of that that's at play um, because in that call it sort of that $10 to $20 an hour range, those jobs, uh, we're still trying to get people back into the workforce. Uh, And I think that's going to see some really interesting dynamics through the latter part of the summer and into the fall in terms of whether we'll be able to start successfully getting uh, back to, you know, lower levels of unemployment. It has been really interesting to watch um, this all unfold. It's definitely taking some twists and turns. Um, It's interesting to see large companies like McDonald's now they're doing uh, all kinds of additional benefits to get people in the door. You see their their price, you know, their salary stuff is right on the, the actual restaurant. You're seeing really the largest organizations innovate to try and solve, you know, this problem. And behind that innovation is, of course, HR and HR leadership. Um, so what role do you think the HR leadership plays in addressing these challenges? Well, I think that right now uh, you mentioned innovation, and I think that's something that we absolutely have to do um, from an HR perspective is how do we, how are we innovative in our recruiting efforts? But, but to me, I think it's a little more fundamental, uh, Jim, in that I think it all start, starts with companies being truly great places to work. And, you know, first of all, and we, we talk about this in Retention Roundup in the series that's coming up, but, you know, the first thing is keeping your existing employees. How do we keep the ones that we have? And, I think one of the one of the outputs of keeping the employees that you have is that that is actually an indicator of a really good culture uh, of high levels of engagement. And so that's actually attractive to other people. 
and so it, it makes your company more attractive. Um, when you just have a turnstile of employees coming and going all the time, it's really hard to get momentum in the community to hire people. So I think it, it's twofold. So I think we really have to be working on keeping the people we have, but then I also think being a great employer and then really doing a good job in the early stages of employment. We've got to make sure that when we do hire people, uh, that their their job is what they expected, that we're delivering on our promises, uh, because we see a huge amount of turnover in the first, say, 90 to 120 days. Uh, and that is very, very costly turnover because we basically never got ROI from the employee we hired. So those early stages of employment I think this is an area where HR really has to focus a lot of attention right now. Yeah, it's it's poignant that those are when the turnover rates happen because that, you know, the organization was good enough to get, you know, did well enough to get people in the door. But the way that they were selling the role, the way that they were explaining the job clearly doesn't match what got those people in the door in the first place, you know, and that's it can be tricky and it can take a lot of work to correct that. But, you know, if that's what you're seeing at your organization is that everyone's leaving in the first couple of months, you know, even before some, maybe their benefits kick in, which is usually a pretty big draw for people to remain for just a little bit longer. That's your, that's your symptom to look at what's happening at that very beginning part as people get into the door. I think one of the things that we do too much of in the interview process is we're selling the job and by selling the job, we're actually, almost overselling it with all the positive things versus giving a, what we call a realistic job preview and really focusing on what is the realistic job preview? What can you expect? Uh, what are we promising to do? Uh, I use that word promise a lot because I think that companies oftentimes don't fulfill their promise. And so I think it's just, that's the critical aspect is making sure that we're setting people up for success from day one. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, um, when it comes to advertising and branding, which is a way that a lot of people approach recruiting, you it's unthinkable to say something negative. You never see a, a Nike ad where they're like, well, there's some issues with our supply chain, you know, but don't worry about that. The instinct is to polish perfect, get it out there. But in reality, people, you know, we're adults. We can handle, we can handle challenges. It's just like a relationship. You're not going to find the perfect partner that has no flaws. We all find the flaws we can live with. And you can find the flaws that you can live with at an organization. We, you know, as, as an employee, we weigh those. We weigh the ups and downs. You might be willing to take a little bit less pay if you see that the culture around, say, maternity leave is really positive. That's a big, that's a big deal to somebody. Well, we're going to talk about it a little bit more later on, Jim, in terms of uh, you mentioned leadership development in your introduction. But I think the other thing we've got to make sure we're doing is, is getting to know those employees in the early stages and making sure that we're playing to their strengths. You know, just slight modifications in a job uh, can can make a huge difference. I'll never forget being at a uh, uh, an air filtration plant a, a number of years ago, and the new employee was put at the very beginning of a, a pretty small assembly line. It was three to five people generally. And what would happen is they would get behind because they were being put directly on that line and they were struggling. They were working with their hands. There was blades and things that were could be dangerous. And then the, the old, the more tenured employees at the end of the line would begin berating them because they were getting behind. It's like we haven't set someone up for success in that situation. 
And so I, I think we really have to think about how we're setting people up for success and how we modify things in the early stages, but also just maybe slight modifications to the job to make sure that we're playing to people's strengths. That's a really good point. Um, and, and the power is with employers to do that. It's so variable. There, you have so many employees that can adjust their roles to assist a new employee with just a little tweak, you mm-hmm. know, that isn't overwhelming. So that's really well said. Um, the kind of the final thing which you alluded to when we talked about, you know, earlier is leadership development. And, and I'm kind of curious to look at how organizations should be developing their leadership, both, you know, you know, mid, mid-level management um, and also the HR leadership roles themselves. What should they be looking to do over the next year and a half? So, Jim, we did some interesting research in our 2021 retention report that you mentioned early on, again, in your introduction. Um, And just a little side note, I think everybody really gets focused on exit interviews related to just the reasons for leaving. But there is so much more you can learn in an exit interview. So one of the things that we've been doing over the last three years is we've been asking employees to rate uh, what we've defined as core drivers of retention engagement. And those core drivers, not surprisingly, are the job itself, the team or the people that I work with the most, uh, the manager, and the organization as an employer. And so what we decided to do, uh, having finally gathered enough data, was to start to look at some predictive analytics and look at those core drivers and whether they could predict our categories for leaving. And it turns out that that manager rating actually predicts the most categories for leaving. And those things include career reasons, uh, environment reasons, which is really culture, uh, the job itself, uh, the manager themselves, and also work-life balance. And what I've taken away from this and what I've been talking to leaders about related to this research is that I think it defines a new um approach to especially manage manager leadership, right? I mean, I think sometimes at the higher levels, call it director, VP, that sort of thing, we, we've been developing them in some more soft skills, some broader strategic skills, but I think there's a real gap at the manager level. And I want to go through those real quickly. So think about career reasons. Are we really training and developing our managers to also be career coaches? Because that's really what it takes. We've got to be talking to our employees about their career interest and their development interest and whether they want promotions or whether they just want to learn how to do their job really, really well. But that's all about career coaching. And uh, we generally don't see that as being a role for the manager. The second thing is really, I, for lack of a better word, Jim, I call it the, the steward of the culture. The manager really needs to be the delivery mechanism for the standards around what we want as a culture. And they have to be the standard bearer for that. And so we need to be holding them accountable for how they're upholding our culture in the organization. Uh, and then the job itself, and this gets back to what I was describing earlier, Making some very small tweaks in the job that you, just as you were describing a few minutes ago, and playing to an employee's strengths can make such a big difference. And what we also see is that a lot of people want um, just a different type of work. And so we have to be able to work with them within the realm of our department or even our company to make sure that we're uh, able to play to their strengths. And I know I keep saying that, but that's just the reality of it. 
And then lastly, around this work-life balance issue, and this is the one that I think is going to be really, really critical over the next six to 18 months is because we've got so many um, uh, companies that are looking to get their employees back to the workplace. Um, some are allowing them to work from home. Some are offering flexible schedules. But here's my fear. And you mentioned what does HR need to be doing? And one of the things that I'm really worried about is that HR is going to find the solution through policy. And I'm not sure that we can find policies that can fit all of the circumstances that we're going to have to face with employees when it comes to how we're managing schedules, how we're managing their work-life balance. And so I think we have to be willing to allow more customization of the work-life balance with each employee. And what's going to happen when we do that is that we're going to create conflict. And so managers have to be developed around how do they manage conflict. And I think this is going to be really, really critical. And I think that, you know, all, all employees, all people, right? We're all, we avoid conflict. And I think in the, the coming months, I think that is something that's going to come up often. And I think they've got to be prepared and developed to be able to handle that conflict. It's a really good point. You know, one of the things about remote work is that the con- the sources of conflict are still there, but the way that people handle it is, is you can hide it. Mm-hmm. You know, in the office, if someone makes you angry, you can see it on their face. You can see it how they act. They might storm off. They might, you know, move their pens around loudly, whatever it is. You know, but when you're at home, you can curate your appearance to your, your, your work. And you might be getting more and more upset as time goes on. People are going to come into the offices with all kinds of issues, just regular trauma from being from the pandemic, who knows who they lost or what they went through. Plus all that pent up stuff that, and, and they may not want to be there. And there's a lot of people that don't, um, that will resent having been brought into the office. That's a powder keg. You're absolutely right. Addressing that before people step in the door is really critical. It really is. And just one point one of my colleagues brought up a couple of weeks ago is that it's also really easy to look for a job when you're working from home. Yeah, it <laughs> so, is. So, you know, if, <laughs> if you're creating this conflict and you're not managing this conflict and you've got somebody that's working from home a day or two days or, or all the time, and we we're not creating the conditions where they want to do their best work and can do their best work, then it's so easy for them to start spending 30 minutes, an hour, two hours a day uh, looking at job boards uh, as opposed to doing the work that needs to get done. So it's, it's a fascinating time. Uh, you mentioned what does HR need to be doing? And I think for them, it's all about listening to employees. We've got to be getting good feedback We've got to be getting out of our offices. We've got to be getting out of the transactional and really thinking big picture about how we're going to be tackling the next six to 18 months. Um, And I think it's a time, I think one of the things we've seen from HR is that they've really been put into the forefront at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, You know, so many HR leaders were suddenly the key person in the organization based on everything that was going on. Uh, but now it's a question of can they maintain that level of importance outside of dealing with the issues of the global pandemic? Now we have to deal with real huge 
issues related to workforce and workforce planning. And as you mentioned early on, recruitment, all of those things, retention, engagement, they're going to become so critical. And if they want to maintain that elevation, they're going to have to be looking at those issues in a very strategic way. Yeah, it's a transformative time for for so for pretty much everybody. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. It certainly is going to be, no doubt about it. But I'm uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be uh, an exciting time, certainly to be in our business as workforce researchers. We're constantly learning and understanding what employees are are doing in the workplace and what they're wanting out of a an employer. And so it's going to be a really fascinating time for us and. Uh, we're actually looking at doing some mid-year research uh, because so many things have changed so quickly. So um, maybe some of your listeners can be on the lookout for some of that that we hope to get out here in the next few months. Absolutely. And listeners, concerning uh, the report that Danny's talking about, it's the, the Work Institute's 2021 Retention Report. There is a link to that report in the description. It's the same report that we're going to be focusing our video series on. So uh, you know, if you want to go take a look at that, um, then we'll provide additional commentary and analysis through through that video series. Thanks so much, Danny, for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Jim. Look forward to Retention Roundup. I think it's going to be a really terrific series, a lot of really good information. And uh, thank you so much for allowing me to spend time with you. Absolutely. And me too. I'm also looking forward to it. It's a great project. Uh, listeners, remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at HRWorks Podcast. We're also now available on Spotify and Audible, as well as pretty much every other podcast outlet. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.